A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, 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 my name is Thomas Dinas, and this is the Delicious Legacy Podcast. I've got another ancient gastronomical adventure for you on this episode. Today's episode is brought to you with the welcome support of Maltby and Greek, UK's leading Greek delicatessen, supplier and distributor of premium Greek produce, be it wine, herbs, cheeses or olive oil, from all over the wild corners of Greece and working directly with small artisan producers. Why not, or why not, try Alpha Estates Acidico Wine, a rich, and complex white wine from the north of Greece, paired with Kurunyotis Graviera cheese, a spicy, balanced, hard cheese from the Peloponnese, made with sheep's and goat's milk from a small-scale dairy in the mountains of Arcadia. Or be more adventurous. Try Pastrumas by Sari, a spiced, cured cut of beef accompanied with Apostolakis Tsipuro, a local spirit made from the distillation of grapes with or without anise, a drink that is the mainstay of many Meze Taverna tables across Greece. Whatever your needs, Malbian Greek has you covered. You can shop online and have exquisite goods delivered to your door across the UK, or you can visit the shop at Arch 17 Apollo Business Park, Lucy Way, SE16 4ET. Bermondsey, London. Malby and Greek, the one-stop shop for your Greek fix. Today's interesting subject is all about um, ancient uh, vegetarianism and how this is um, an important subject in the philosophical circles and schools of the ancient Greece and the ancient Mediterranean in general. A subject that it has been controversial uh, since antiquity and, of course, 
there are all sorts of different moral dilemmas in play here. Some of them connected, obviously, to modern day too, but also it's going to be very interesting to see how vegetarianism was promoted by ancient philosophers uh, in the past and why it was important not to eat meat or kill another living soul. Hopefully we will learn something new today and we can understand more about the morals of uh, and the ethics of food production, both uh, in our modern world and in the ancient one. Very important role on this episode plays uh, the philosopher and uh, mathematician Pythagoras. So, of course, in his honor, I uh, titled uh, this episode Pythagoras Pies. And yeah, we're not talking about the mathematical pie, but the one that we can eat. And although he wasn't um, famous for, for leaving any recipes for pies, um, I have a couple of my own and from the island of Samos, where he was from, that uh, will um, satisfy your hunger. The angry mob was soon uncontrollable. They torched some of the buildings, forcing members of the Brotherhood to flee the all-consuming flames. As the members exited the conflagration, many were ambushed right there, on Croton streets, where merely days ago were worshipped as heroes, and then they were stabbed to death. Those lucky ones who escaped both fire and iron fled to the surrounding countryside. Pythagoras was one of them. His followers formed a human bridge to help him to clamber out of one of the blazing buildings. But his escape did not go undetected. Soon, several of Kilon's angry and privileged friends from the city's nobility were in hot pursuit. Yet, as he had a significant lead, it looked as if the aging Pythagoras would make it to safety. Suddenly, Pythagoras came to a sudden halt. A vast fava bean field stretched before him. He stood frozen, uncertain what to do. His head turned from left to right, and in desperation, his gaze fell upon the closest beanstalks, just inches away from his papyrus-bound feet. For he used papyrus plants to make footwear, not animal skin, to avoid hurting any living soul. So true was he to his ideals that, even at the risk of losing his own life, he was unwilling to trample upon even a single bean. The voices of the angry mob grew louder each minute. His pursuers were catching up with him. Frightened, frozen by the thought of inflicting any harm to this most sacred of plants to him, thought of his own demise, not as the end, but rather one measly stop in the continuous journey of the immortal soul through all living creatures. Butcher's cleavers, machetes, and many other available weapons, which Pythagoras was so opposed to, 
came down hard on him, spilling blood on his pure white robe and on the plants which he held so dearly, and thus ending his life. But not his wisdom. Pythagoras' beliefs, ideals and teachings were explored in the centuries to come by Plato, Socrates, Aristotle, the giants of philosophy, who shaped the modern Western thinking, perhaps even Christianity, directly or indirectly. Pythagoras, the father of mathematics, was born and raised in Samos, around 580 BCE. He is one of the most acclaimed pre-Socratic philosophers and the Pythagorean theorem bears his name. Samos is a green island known for its mixed flora, full of mountains and plains, the most fertile of the latter being modern Pythagorio, which is named after the philosopher, and Marathocampos. Olive groves are covering most of these plains since the age of Pythagoras, and even before, while the main varieties are the local Dopialia, Koroneiki, and Calamon. Even though Pythagoras spent more than 40 years in his birthplace, he eventually decided to set sail for new seas. His thirst for knowledge led him to travel throughout most of the then known world, most notably Egypt and Babylon, centers of wisdom, knowledge and secret mystical rites. Before settling down to Croton, a town in Magna Grecia, modern southern Italy, he may have found pupils to follow him and welcoming ears to listen to his preaching. Now, the main arguments for the vegetarianism in the ancient world, they can be grouped into three main um, uh, threads. One that focuses on the eater, who will, as uh, widely been thought, he would be duller, more brutal, less civilized, less spiritual, and more lewd and lustful as a result of eating meat. A second one, focuses on the act of slaughter and in uh, classical Greek antiquity uh, that focuses on the sacrifice which was argued by some to be cruel not pleasing to the gods contrary to the common uh, assumption and unnecessary to humans. It was after all noted by dietitians and authors that a vegetarian diet did not harm a third thread and group of arguments identified with Pythagoras focuses mainly on the souls of animals, which may have been and may be in the future the souls of human beings. For certain legendary people, men and gods, famous for their wisdom, are said to have been fed on honey in childhood like the god Zeus, or an important turning point in their lives. Amongst others, they include Pythagoras, at the very end of the 6th century BCE, or perhaps the beginning of the 5th, as we saw above. Pythagoras, the originator, among other things, of the world philosophy, who used various religious themes to illuminate his teachings, refused to escape his murderers 
by crossing a beanfield. He was acting in conformity with a major taboo. To his disciples, as to those who adhered to the Orphic beliefs, eating beans denoted devouring one's own parents and thus causing serious interruption in the cycle of reincarnation. Whereas, in contrary, in many, let's say, primitive systems of thought, the practice of cannibalism permitted assimilation and was a kind of uh, reincarnation. Also, the ban on eggs, classified as the meat which they only potentially contained, had appeared centuries before the teachings of Pythagoras. What do we know of his diet? What is, what is it known of uh, the Vita Pythagorica diet? In a way not unlike modern wellness programs, the Vita Pythagorica was concerned with a healthy, balanced diet. For breakfast, Pythagoras prescribed, as part of his dietetics, honey and bread, and for supper, bread made from millet or barley, cooked or raw vegetables, and on rare occasions, meat from sacrificed animals, and even then, not from every part of the animal. This is a reference to old Pythagorean rules that do not absolutely prohibit the eating meat, but only the consumption of certain parts of the animal, such as the heart. There is an elaborate recipe for power food that Pythagoras is said to have prepared before undertaking long stays in the innermost part of the shrines, the so-called Aviton. For the most part, when he was to penetrate the innermost parts of the gods' temples, and wanted to spend some time there, he used foods that made him free from hunger and thirst. The hunger-free one, Alimos, he made from poppy seed, sesame seed, and squeal. This is the sea onion Drimia maritima, which were carefully washed until they were cleansed uh, from the sap that surrounded them, and also of asphodel stems and mallow leaves, barley flour and chickpeas. All these ingredients he cut in equal parts and moistened them with honey from the mountain imitus. The thirst-free, adipsus, that food he made from cucumber seeds and plum raisins, whose seeds he removed, and also from coriander flowers, and likewise mallow seeds, parsley, and grated cheese the finest wheat flour and milk fat. All of this he mixed with honey from the islands. A small um, interruption here. So the thirst-free Adipsos food uh, that was made with honey, it was moistened with honey from the mountain Imitus, which is in Athens, in Attica. And then for the Adipsos, the thirst-free, that was uh, mixed with uh, honey from the islands. Pythagoras the vegetarian strikes us curiously in his belief on not eating beans. Healthy, cheap, sustaining and nutritious beans and pulses in general is what every single reasonable environmentalist is actually recommending nowadays. So I think there's a, a confusion perhaps here and a misconception that it's not that he banned the eating, the consumption of peas and chickpeas and lentils. I think those were fine. 
And I think it's only the fava beans that were part of his controversial belief. So, as we've seen earlier, whether this uh, was a superstition from earlier times uh, or formed as a part of his teaching or just a story told from later writers, uh, what we know is based on the following passage. He believed that humans and beans were spawned from the same source and he conducted a practical experiment to prove it. He buried a quantity of beans in mud, let them remain there for a few weeks, and then retrieved them. He noted their resemblance to human fetuses, thus convincing himself of the intimate relationship between beans and humans. To eat a bean would therefore be akin to eating human flesh. Equally, to crush, smash, or dirty a bean would be to do harm to a human. Thus, the very strict rule to abstain from beans. He claimed that his diet had, by Demeter, been taught to Hercules when he was sent into the Libyan deserts. This preserved his body in an unchanging condition, not at one time well and another time sick, nor not at one time fat and at another lean. Pythagoras's countenance showed the same constancy was in his soul also, for he was neither more elated by pleasure nor dejected by grief, and no one ever saw him either rejoicing or mourning. Pythagoras wrote nothing. His views were stated in akusmata, oral teachings, and in the form of symbola, symbolic pronouncements whose inner logic, if any indeed existed, is now lost or uncertain. Practically, every detail of Pythagoras' beliefs was, was and is controversial. Many of his symbola concern food behavior or seem to do so. The most famous of these, often discussed in ancient modern times, is withhold your hands from beans, as we've seen earlier about beans. Also, a prohibition of red mallet is asserted by Aelian, who was uh, a Roman author and teacher of uh, rhetoric who flourished under, under the emperor Septimius Severus. Now, as it's always... Um, a subject to be derided by certain people or being considered a controversial thing. There's always a criticism about people being vegetarians or vegans or on very strict um, regime, regimes, food diet regimes. So as we see today, there are criticisms about vegetarianism. Uh, and so it was also true in uh, antiquity. Since then, there have been criticisms of Pythagoras' uh, of Pythagoras's diet. So the main argument for, for vegetarianism in Pythagoras was, was relating to the transmigration of souls. Uh, and this one has been mocked uh, by Archestratus apropos of the eating of shark. So the text goes uh, something like this. Kinulcus Archestratus whom you worship for your belly's sake, on a par with Homer, 
and there's nothing more voracious than that, to quote your friend Timon, writes as follows on account of the shark. Nay, not many mortals know of this heavenly viand, or consent to eat it. All those mortals, that is, who possess the puny soul of the booby bird and are smitten with palsy because, as they say, the creature is a man-eater. But every fish loves human flesh, if it can get it. Wherefore, it is the simple duty of all who talk such foolishness to betake themselves to vegetables, and going over to the philosopher Diodorus, living abstentiously like Pythagoreans in his company. His form of vegetarianism also comes uh, in for criticism from the Athenian comic poets, including Alexis and Aristophon. Alexis, in, in the Pythagorean, writes, The feast shall be dried figs, pressed olives and cheese. These are proper offerings, so the Pythagoreans believe. And we have a passage from Adiphanes, who was a prolific writer of the middle Attic comedy age, wrote also sarcastically in the play The Bug. Well, being a Pythagorean, he eats nothing that has a soul. He takes a sunbed helping of barley mass and obols worth at most and sucks at that. Though, if um, believe Antiphanes' death in a bizarre accident involving a pear dropped by a bird or a small mammal, possibly this gives us a, a bit of a reason to believe in the reincarnation of, of the soul. Doubtless, uh, this was a punishment by Pythagoras himself. A particular avoidance of fish is often said to be a Pythagorean rule. It is discussed by Plutarch. Aristotle, however, is quoted as asserting that the Pythagoreans abstained from the womb, the heart, the sea anemone, and a few other things, but used all the other animal food. The regiment followed by the community of Pythagoras' disciples is described most fully by Porphyry. Pythagoras, following Epimenoi's example, made compounded drugs under the name Alimon and Adipson, whose purpose was to repress the appetite during religious vigils. So we are assured by Porphyry, writing in the 3rd century AD, with, who supplies us with the recipes as we heard them earlier on or Adipsos and Alimos. Pythagoras, or his followers, also had their own names for certain medicinal herbs, according to Dioscurides, and the Herbarius of Pseudo-Apulius. For example, Mallow, they called Anathema. Their communal dining uh, prefigured the Christian Agape, according to Clement of Alexandria. The rules laid down by Pythagoras are listed and discussed repetitively by Diogenes Laertius. Independent views of some of them and the reasons for them are given in interesting discussions by Plutarch and Aulus Gellius. Even close to his own time, the strange pronouncement of Pythagoras and the strict regulations by which his followers lived were the subject of satire or amused and uncomprehending observation, at the least, as from the comic writers who've, who've seen the passages above. 
you'll find more information about um, the writers and the poets and comedians um, on the footnotes of this episode. So I will have I'll have more information on the notes for this episode, basically. Uh, so who are these people? Just Kuridis, Pythagoras, Aulus, Gelius, and so on and so on. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I mean, the most famous Greek historian, Herodotus, alludes to Pythagoras through, famously, he refuses to name, to name him. In his book, Histories, the founding work of history in Western literature. So what Herodotus says is the following. Moreover, the Egyptians are the first to have maintained the doctrine that the soul of man is immortal, and that when the body perishes, it enters into another animal that has been born at the same time. And when it has been the complete round of the creatures of the dry land and of the sea and of the air, it enters again into the body of a man at birth. And its cycle is completed in 3,000 years. There are some Greeks who have adopted this doctrine, some in former times and some in latter, as if it were their own invention. Their names, I know, but refrain from writing down. To Pythagoras, however, vegetarianism, pacifism, and humane treatment of other living things must have all been part of the path to inner peace, and by extension, world peace. Humans could never live in harmony as long as they killed, ate, and were cruel to animals. Poor treatment of animals and eating animal flesh devalued all life 
by maintaining that some creatures, i.e. humans, were worth more in life than others. Pythagoras believed that all creatures were created equal and should be treated with respect. It's reported that one day Pythagoras encountered a man beating his dog. As the dog whimpered and yelped in fear and in pain, Pythagoras recognized the noises as the voice of a recently departed friend. He physically intervened upon the man to release the dog, thus allowing his reincarnated friend to escape a life of misery. According to the ancient writer and student of Aristotle's Evdimus, Pythagoras believed in eternal recurrence as a logical, mathematical necessity. Evdimus, who lived approximately 370 to 300 BCE, writes, If one were to believe the Pythagoreans that events recur in an arithmetical cycle and that I shall be talking to you again, sitting just as you are now, with this pointer in my hand, and that everything else will be just as it is now, then it is plausible to suppose that the time too will be the same as now. Before we hear about Pythagoras' demise, let's listen to our fellow podcaster Ancient History Hound telling us about his podcast about ancient Rome and Greece. Are you interested in ancient history and the occasional pun? If so, Ancient History Hound is for you. Hi, my name's Neil, and I'm the host of Ancient History Hound, a podcast which covers a range of topics across ancient Greece and Rome. Whether you're someone new to it all or a seasoned veteran, I've got you covered. Find Ancient History Hound wherever you get your podcasts from. Alternatively, visit my website, ancientblogger.com, or find me on Twitter, at ancientblogger. At this point, I'd like to remind all the listeners that you can find The Delicious Legacy on Acast, iTunes, TuneIn, and Pocket Casts. Please subscribe to keep updated with new episodes as well as other surprises. I'd like to add that I've created a Patreon page where you can subscribe and help me run this podcast. Your support can give me the opportunity to add more quality content for you in the form of recipes, images, videos, and related articles. If you have enjoyed the episode so far, please consider heading to patreon.com forward slash The Delicious Legacy or Google it, uh, type Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N and the name of the podcast, The Delicious Legacy, and you'll find how you can help me run this podcast. Pythagoras and his followers in the end became politically powerful in Croton, in southern Italy. There, Pythagoras had established a school for his newly formed sect, or group of followers. Quite possibly, the school was more like a monastic communal place of living, where pupils of all ages and both sexes would be taught the vital Pythagorean philosophical secrets. It seems that he was popular and the people of Croton liked him. It is probable also that the Pythagoreans took positions in the local government in order to lead men to the pure life that was directed by their teachings. After living according to their ways for some time, it is believed that the Pythagoreans attempted to pressure the ordinary citizens of Crotona into adopting their unique lifestyle. This, rather unfortunately, did not end well for the Pythagoreans. 
when the, when the ordinary citizens were told that they must not eat beans and that they must at all costs abstain from eating meat, it was too much to bear. Either that, or a rival group overcome with jealousy launched an attack on the Pythagoreans at a gathering of the sect, and the group was almost completely destroyed. Kilon was the son of a wealthy, crotonate nobleman. Born into nobility, he was used to getting anything he desired. When denied, he could become violent, tyrannical, and demanding. Although Kilon had access to all levels of schooling, he proved to be something of a dullard. Nevertheless, time came when he desired to become part of the Brotherhood. Because he was a young man of privilege, he believed that he should be allowed to bypass the years of training, silence and deep contemplation which preceded entrance to the inner sanctum of the Brotherhood. Pythagoras bluntly turned him down, and not only was Kilon sent away, but Pythagoras refused a conference with him. Like Hera, Kilon grew angry and vengeful. He was soon giving mock discourses on Pythagorean ideas and beliefs, discourses that characterized the people of Croton as cattle being manipulated and controlled by the Pythagorean leaders. Kilon himself manipulated the emotions of his friends and townspeople until, as a mob, they descended upon the cluster of houses in which the Brotherhood lived, studied and slept. And this brings us to the beginning of our story with the death of Pythagoras. Arguing against Aristotle's views on animals was Aristotle's pupils and friend Theophrastus, 372 BC to 287 BC, a Greek uh, naturalist, botanist and philosopher. Theophrastus argued that killing animals for food was wasteful and morally wrong. Hypothesizing as to the origin of flesh-eating, he argued that war must have forced humans to eat meat by ruining the crops that they otherwise would have eaten. So unlike Aristotle, his teacher, Theophrastus proclaimed that animal sacrifices angered the gods and turned humanity towards atheism. Clearly, religious arguments uh, have long been used as a motivation to pursue a vegetarian diet. And another, while preserving the legacy of Pythagoras, was the poet and moralist Ovid, uh, 43 BCE to 17 CE. So he, Ovid was a Pythagorean-influenced Stoic, uh, lived uh, in the years of the Emperor Augustus. And we know Ovid from his poem, Metamorphosis, where the passages kept the memory of Pythagoras alive and served as testament to Ovid's own vegetarian lifestyle. Influenced by Pythagoras and Epicurus, the Roman philosopher Seneca adopted a vegetarian diet. Seneca denounced the cruelty of the games used by Rome to distract the citizenry and challenged the decadence of his time. Seneca was forced to hide his vegetarianism for a time under the emperor Caligula due to Caligula's distrust. Under the emperor Nero, his former student, Seneca was forced to commit suicide at the age of 60. Another Greek philosopher who argued on behalf of animals was the biographer and philosopher Plutarch. 
influenced by Pythagorean philosophy, and he adopted a vegetarian diet too, and wrote several essays in favor of vegetarianism, as well as arguing that animals were rational and deserving of consideration. In particular, Plutarch's essay on the eating of flesh is noteworthy for some arguments familiar to today's vegetarians, such as the inefficiency of the human digestive system to handle flesh, or the fact that humans lack the claws and fangs necessary for the satisfaction of a carnivorous appetite. For these reasons, Plutarch is truly noteworthy as one of the earliest advocates of animal issues. After Plutarch, the Greek philosopher Plotinus, 205-270 CE, combined Pythagoreanism, Platonism and Stoicism into a school of philosophy called Neoplatonism. He taught that all animals feel pain and pleasure, not just humans. And he believed, in order for humans to unite with the supreme reality, they need to treat all animals with compassion. And later on again, Porphyry, a great Phoenician author and philosopher, he argued with observational and historical evidence in defense of vegetarianism and the rationality of animals. So we see similar reasons, or same reasons, for not eating flesh uh, today as, as we see in ancient Greek and Roman texts that survived. Spirituality, health, peace or justice, same or similar subjects discussed today. Let's have a look now to some traditional recipes from the island of Samos, the birthplace of Pythagoras. Samos is extremely well furnished with wild greens, which are mixed with all sorts of things, from snails to beans. Most are boiled or braised with onion, but some, such as pteres, young fiddlehead ferns, and ovaries, brioni, which looks like wild asparagus but it isn't, are boiled then fried. From Samos also come some of the most interesting bean dishes in Greece. Broad beans, white beans and chickpeas are braised with onions and sometimes served salad-like with chopped fresh tomato and rocket if they are in season. Lentils are stewed with onions and chard. Bean purees, some that are still called for the Neolithic veg, a pulse that has always, it seems, been eaten in Greece, but whose place on the modern table has faded elsewhere, are also found on the Samian table. Two traditional dishes from Samos that call for wheat or flour, sitarosumo, or wheat juice, and hilos, or simply porridge, are important for their symbolic and religious value. Both are sweetened puddings. The festive funerary dish, sweetened with sugar, flavored with sesame paste and nuts, and served after the memorial service for the dead. Hilos, or porridge, made with the starchy water of boiled pasta, mixed with little flour, cinnamon, nutmeg, walnuts, and either sugar or grape must syrup, is eaten for breakfast on clean Monday, the first day of the Lenten fast. Although associated with Christianity, and the use of sugar might bring more modern connotations, we can't but think of such dishes being eaten in antiquity, either out of necessity or again as part of rituals, 
for the ancient Greeks were very superstitious people concerning the dead or the passage of the soul to another dimension and thus the reason for me to mention this this is here as they all seem very Pythagorean. One of the local um, artisanal cheeses of Samos is Vrastotiri, which literally means boiled cheese. And it's made in somewhat large quantities and can be found all on the local shops in the island. It has a texture like jello and at once solid and loose, light and sweet. Now let's see a butter pie with wild greens and butter with spelled with an A, as in a mixture of flour and water. So this pie is called Cariotina and has connotations of uh, the island the island of Icaria. This pie was so named because it was the dish people ate when they had little else, or poor man's food. Icarians who made a version of this butter pie filled with sweet spring greens such as chard and spinach, wild fennel, dill, fresh oregano, poppy leaves, lemon balm and French mint. So put 500 grams of mixed greens and herbs, a quarter, of, a quarter cup of olive oil, two medium red onions chopped, salt and freshly ground black pepper to taste, a grating of nutmeg, one cup all-purpose flour, half a teaspoon of baking powder, one large egg, and three quarters of a cup water. So wash your, your, your greens, remove the stems and coarsely chop them. Put them aside. Wash and finally chop the herbs. Now heat two tablespoons of olive oil in a large pan and cook the onions over medium-low heat, stirring constantly until they are wilted and translucent 7 to 8 minutes. Transfer the onions to a large bowl, add the greens to the skillet and cook them for a few minutes until wilted. 2 to 3 minutes, I reckon. Mix the greens with the onions in the bowl and add the fresh herbs. Season with salt, pepper and a grating of nutmeg. Combine the flour, baking powder and one teaspoon of salt in a medium bowl. Make a well in the center and add the egg and water. Using a fork, slowly mix the flour into the liquid fairly vigorously until a thick butter forms. Heat the remaining two tablespoons of olive oil in a well-seasoned 10-inch uh, non-stick uh, pan over medium heat. Pour one-third cup of the butter into the skillet, into the pan. When it begins to bubble on top, like a pancake, spread around a third of the filling over it, covering the surface of the butter. Pour another one-third of cup butter over the top of the filling to cover it evenly. Place a lid on the pan, reduce the heat to low, and cook until the bottom is completely golden and crisp, about 15 minutes. Turn it over carefully to cook on the other side. Slide the pie back into the skillet to cook for another on the other side for 8 to 10 minutes until golden. Remove from the pan, keep covered in a warm oven, and repeat with the remaining ingredients. Serve hot, warm, or at a room temperature. Little fish and flour skillet pie, or gones. In Samos and Kios, there is a recipe for a kind of skillet cake made with a small whole fish and a little flour. 
It has survived intact from antiquity and was quite popular during the time of the Byzantine Empire. In Samos it is called Gones or babyfish, but it's outlawed now since the catch it calls for is too small to be legal. The penalty is stiff for being caught with a boatload of tiny new fish, so locals have adapted their recipe slightly, calling now for tiny but fully grown fish such as smelts. In Samos, as well as in the Dodecanese, the fish are fried together with tomatoes and onions, but in Kios, the recipe is simpler, just fish and flour. This dish goes well with boiled horta, or boiled wild greens, or with the Sadorini fava, or with a black-eyed peas mashed with garlic sauce. So, for this one, you will need about one and a half cups of all-purpose flour, salt to taste, olive oil for frying, and about, about a kilo, about 700 grams of whole tiny fish, such as melt. So season the flour with the salt, heat two teaspoons of oil in a cast iron uh, pan over a medium-high heat until it's very hot. Toss a handful of the fish with some of the flour and quickly place them in the skillet. Reduce the heat to medium. Using a spatula, Pat the fish down so that the fish take up all the space in the pan. When one side is browned, after about 5 minutes, place a plate over the skillet and turn it over, and turn the fish over. Return to the skillet and fry on the other side until browned. Remove, continue until all the fish are fried, pouring out the used oil and replenishing it if necessary. Serve immediately. you enjoyed today's episode and it gave you some food for thought and um, thank you for listening I've been Thomas Dinas and this was the Delicious Legacy Podcast goodbye deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more 
and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.